1: Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going?
0: I'm pretty exhausted, Ben, but I'm excited to discuss draft prospects. How are you?
1: I am also exhausted. It's been a week. Um, That's why this episode is out a little late, but that is okay. We will push on. It happens. So yeah, we are going to talk today about some of our favorite second round guys in this draft. and. Our definition of second round for the purpose of this episode is prospects who are outside ESPN Draft Express top 30 uh, available on the website. So we're just going to go through some, some of these guys that we like. We haven't seen each other's lists. I'm sure we will have overlaps because we tend to think similarly on, on prospects. So, yeah, why don't we get into talking about these guys? As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses. Bet online. your on your online wagering experts.
0: Sure. So my first guy is um, someone that I've recently like just gotten more firm in that. Like I would really take him pretty high. Uh, and that's Malachi Flynn. He's yeah. 38th on, on ESPN's board. Uh, it certainly doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of buzz as a first round guy. Uh, but he's up to twenty five for me. Uh, w- w- the change I made recently was just moving him from the back of a tier to the top of it uh but i'm I'm just extremely confident in him in him one being an NBA rotation player, two in like being okay uh, and three just th- there is so much depth at lead guard in this class. there are guys that are going to fall that are gonna slip through the cracks um and you'll be able to get them maybe late in the second or as maybe even undrafted free agents. Uh, And that's okay. If they're all equal in quality, you know, if, if you see no difference between Cassius, Winston and Malachi and Peyton Pritchard and um, uh, like Rokas, Jokobitis or some other guys, like it's totally fine to say, I'm just going to wait for whichever one is available. But I think that I have reached a point where I think Malachi is distinctly better than those guys. Uh, I think that he's really at a different level as a defensive player from most of these mm-hmm. guys. He was a really good defensive player in college, despite his size. Uh, he's good at the point of attack. He's really good as a team defender. He's just smart. He's anticipatory. He makes big plays, on top of being steady. And I think that that's kind of rare in a small guard. Like someone like Tremont Waters makes big plays as a team defender, but he takes a lot of risks. And I don't feel like that's the case with Malachi. Like he he takes some risks, but he for the most part can just generate value on a play-by-play basis by being solid. Uh, and that's not even to mention that I think he's currently probably the best pick and roll player in the class uh, when you evaluate, you know, his holistic pick and roll game that he has diversity as a scorer with his runners, with his pull-up threes, uh, with his finishing ability. And no, he doesn't get to the rim that often, but he can finish when he's there. Um, and I think that he's a really good passer at a pick and roll too. So I'm just really, really confident in Malachi Flynn. Uh, like I, I, I one of the things that, like, I think in this class, there are a lot of situations where you can be like, I, I see the case for something that I don't necessarily agree with, but one of the things that I've kind of become radicalized on is that I will fight for Malachi over Cassius, just because I think Malachi is is just, like, pretty clearly a better prospect. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Malachi is one of my favorite second rounders. I would definitely take him in the first. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you can get him in the second, great
1: pick. I've actually moved... Uh, malachi up to 22 on my board i'm really high on him like for a lot of the same reasons i think they're like we can come across or as you know being of the opinion that 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 backup point guards or backup guards don't really matter like and backup point guards don't have a lot of value and the reason for that that take is because a lot of them just aren't that good like the threshold is really high for a backup point guard or a backup small guard to be really valuable um, but the ones that do like that are good and bring valuable are, are worth drafting and worth spending on. And I think Malachi Flynn is absolutely worth worth, you know, spending on uh, f- certainly over Cassius and, and Peyton Pritchard and Frenchier guys like like Jordan Ford. I mean, it's, he's clearly the best of these guys to me as well. And I think that's really valuable because I mean, he can add creation on the ball. He can play off the ball as well. I mean, like, like the, not the shooter Cassius is, but, a damn good shooter in his own right, you know. Probably a better, a better overall pick and roll player with his scoring. I think, like, like, like you echoed. I think a
0: way better overall yeah. pick and roll player because the finishing difference is, yeah. is really, like, really significant.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not. I mean, even if you think Cassius is a better passer, which I don't think he was this year. Um, maybe in past years, I think. I mean, I don't think Cassius was good as a good of a passer this year as he ha- as he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cassius and uh, Malachi, excuse me, in terms of what he does below the level of the screen once he gets into the paint it's it's so much it's so much more impactful from a self-creation standpoint than cassius or even peyton pritchard who has more than cassius but you know peyton pritchard can't play any defense at all and is a worse decision maker um
0: i don't think there's a guy in this class who just like kind of gives up halfway through possessions and not even halfway through possessions like halfway through like sliding with a guy in isolation or coming off a ball screen or on a closeout like he just gives up and lets guy lets guys blow by him it's really incredible he's he's just like a really terrible defensive yeah, player yeah i think
1: it's interesting for like like how technically good he is as an offensive player he's like so bad defensively yeah it's, and it's i mean really he lovely. did have a
0: huge load this year and and like <laughs> he, he like his creation is burdensome like it's it's tough like he has to do a lot of work and that's part of the problem with him but like I could definitely see if he's a guy who instead of doing that for thirty whatever minutes, if he's doing that for ten, he can bring better effort on defense. But and it's
1: not like I mean it's not like Malachi didn't have a creation load. Like, like that's I mean, true. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it wasn't as maybe it wasn't as extreme as Pritchards, but like he he carried the best offense in the country or you know, one of the best offenses in the country, and like has been an effective carrier of offenses, even going back to his Washington State days, and he's always been a better defender on a play to play basis. Which you know, which I, I think that 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 deep, like the consistency of his defense with with consistently high usage is is really like impressive heuristic, like that's that's rare in small guards, and I feel like like Malachi just like plays bigger than these guys too as well, you know, especially Cassius who just like looks and plays so small, you know, guarding screens and even off the ball. I think Malachi can hold up a little bit, even even if you know he's probably not going to be an impactful defender you know, just by, by virtue of his size, but he's really smart. And like, he, he, he is good, pretty good technically and he's not a terrible athlete. I mean, I definitely see a world where Malachi is adding a lot of value soon in his career. I mean, cause like you said, he does not seem to be getting a lot of buzz. So, One of these teams in the late first with creators like the Lakers would be wise to scoop up Malik. Philly
0: Philly needs to draft Mal. Yeah, they just absolutely because he he can defend the point of attack. He can I think he can be a really really good off ball player. And then he there's your pick and roll creator. Like they would be so like there are worlds where they draft Desmond Bain Isaiah Joe and it makes sense. But I think that they have a bunch of picks in that top thirty five. I think they have, like, three of them. They have one first and two early seconds. Like, there, there are ways to do it well without taking Malachi, but I just think it's so obvious that they they just need to take him. Um, like he's just the guy that they need, and I think he can step in and do it immediately. Um, the question I kind of have with him for you is, I mean, in general, I think probably a lot of people have this question, is what's your conception of Malachi's upside? Do you think that there are outcomes where he's – a starting guard or something like that
1: I think he can definitely be a starting guard in like the right scenario I mean I I don't know how high end but like I I mean he he is like guys with like as much versatile offensive skill as he has can definitely start in the right environment I mean like I just said next to like a LeBron or a Luka or Giannis I mean he's a guy who, if he proves that he can be like somewhat passable on passable on defense, and especially if he's he's entrenched in a strong scheme like you know like in milwaukee where, where he can survive there i mean i see no reason why he can't start because well one if the shooting is really really legit both on and off the ball which i think it will be um i mean the issue is i mean he, i don't think he has like any real star upside i mean he'd have to hit like quite the shooting ceiling to get there because i don't think he gets i mean he's not gonna get that level as a finisher and probably not as a playmaker um i mean i I mean i i could see him i mean there's probably a world where he he hits like a really high shooting ceiling but even then i don't think he's like a star but starting guard seems like within the cards for malachi or i mean i i think there's less of an avenue for that for for cassius and peyton pritchard because of their lack of well-roundedness you know cassius just don't isn't gonna be able to score on the ball and you know, Peyton Pritchard is going to be is not going to be defense, not going to be able to play defense. So I mean, I think yeah, I think there's a, a route for that.
0: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like Malachi probably just doesn't create advantages enough uh, to really power team offense like that with a starting mm-hmm. unit. But I, I could I could certainly see a case in the right team context, he could be a starter off of a Ben Simmons or Giannis or yeah. or I mean yeah, even Luca because he could he could be the point of attack guy. Uh, although I, I like there's also I it, it's definitely conceivable like Malachi is pretty small could definitely see him not being a good defender, but he's not going to be disastrous. I like like Cassius Winston's going to be a terrible defensive player in the NBA. I think Peyton Pritchard will be too. Um, I don't know who else who else is really in this range, but uh, I don't think Malachi will be catastrophic. I think like worst case scenario. He's like kind of bad uh, and I think there's a chance that he's like fine.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean like like he'll certain he'll he'll certainly be better than me than like Trey Jones. Um he'll be better than Dotson. Um, are you talking about defensively? Um I mean just in general. Yeah I, yeah. Oh yeah, I like I mean, him. Yeah. Definitely better than Dotson, maybe Trey Jones. I mean like yes like Draft Express has like Hagen's in the top sixty.
0: Yeah, I mean I prefer all of those guys. I mean I prefer Malachi as a prospect to all of those yeah, guys. As uh, pretty comfortably. The only like upperclassmen guard that i prefer is riller uh but it's a totally different thing there i think that that i mean there is i think confidence in him as a guy who can score the ball uh you know maybe that's in a bench role but also seeing with him high-end uh outcomes that are that are pretty compelling so so when i talk about malachi being well above these guys i'm not including riller in that riller is in the teens for me um I think that you know his his scoring is is an entirely different beast, uh. But not, I have Malachi like very comfortably above uh, you know the those other you know late first mid second guard types.
1: Yeah. Before we transition, you know, to the, my next guy, I was gonna I was gonna ask you um who do you prefer between Malachi and Tao Maladon? Uh I think because Malachi I have, by a I small have, amount tail above by like a spot, but I have been going back and forth between those two.
0: Yeah, um, that that's an internal debate. I can see a
1: case for either. Like, yeah, um, I think I like I like on just by a hair because I think it depends um, what you want though. It depends yeah. what you want out of that pick. Like,
0: is yeah, if you're if you're trying to get a guy who you can you're like reasonably confident will run offense effectively uh with a bench unit i definitely want malachi if you want a guy that, that like i think Maladon like conceivably could be kind of a shooting specialist um so if you want a guy who's more of a combo guard uh who, who like i guess has a bit more size uh and is not necessarily going to be asked to play on ball like that i think that the answer may be Maladon. uh i I, I like in a vacuum i guess i kind of prefer malachi but but i i think it depends entirely on what you're looking to draft like i i I don't know that like if you have a clear idea of what you want to draft i don't know that those two would be like two that you're kind of debating you know
1: yeah and i think maladon like makes a lot of sense for teams like in that late teens like dallas um brooklyn you know with Philadelphia, even even though Malachi is better for Philadelphia, but I think Maladon would also make sense in Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, so. all right. Um, I'll go to my next guy, who we, we just talked about him, Grant Riller, um, projected as a second rounder by Draft Express. Like Max said, in the teens for him, in the late teens for me as well, um, and hasn't really seen that much buzz. I don't think. I mean, I I get the arguments against him. You know, a twenty three year old combo who played in a bad league and was a bad defender but i mean there is just really nobody with his scoring package um even at you know 23 how many of these prospects who are 18 19 are going to be as good of scorers as grant riller is you know when they're 23 i mean certainly some could and some probably will but you know Riller with his first step just so so good getting low being powerful explosive drives um getting into his, you know, super elite finishing. Um, the space creation on his jumpers is ridiculous. Just so powerful and explosive in everything he does. That comes with being like a pretty solid passer as well. Um has you know has his decision-making issues, but the scoring upside is really, really enticing in a class like this that just doesn't have much of that. Um so I mean that's why I mean I, he should very easily be a first rounder. And if he goes in that late first, like a lot of these guards, like a team with a bigger creator like like LA or Dallas, he could be really, really effective on offense. I mean, defense is probably the big question with him. Another one of those where he yes, he is old. was not a good defender in a bad conference. So he could be a pretty bad defender, um, which would definitely limit his value. But I mean if he's if he's has this nuclear scoring upset, I think it's worth considering him pretty highly. I think you think the same.
0: Yeah, I do. I, like with Riller. I understand skepticism of his shot for one, uh, especially extending out like to to NBA three and beyond. Um, at least at like high efficiency. But he's genuinely very special as a guard slasher. And it's not like yes, it's his it's his first step, his burst. They're incredible. But he is incredibly crafty. The way he is able to generate leverage, his you know, diversity of finishes. Um, like he is genuinely a very special finisher as a guard and a very special slasher as a guard. Um, and it shows up, you know, statistically in his just like bonkers at the rim finishing and at the rim frequency. Um, so uh, yeah, like he's, he has special, special traits, uh, to the point that I like don't really take issue with anyone saying that he's a lottery prospect or a top 10 prospect or whatever, because he really is pretty special as a scorer. Uh, I have a lot of issues with him as a, de- as a decision maker. His defense is, is pretty horrific, especially for a guy who's 23 in a bad conference. But at the same time, like he's not Cassius Winston. Like he can move laterally really well, uh, when he wants to, his he's flashes, bigger, as a stronger,
1: more explosive. Like,
0: yeah, his flashes as a playmaker on defense are also really impressive. Like some like high level instinctual stuff and some high level thinking, uh, it's just not consistent. And I don't really think it ever will be uh, on account of him being 23 and, and still looking like this. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's the scoring package is just really pretty special. Uh, I think that like, so, you know, a lot of these guys that are going to be drafted ahead of him, if they were 23 in uh, uh, the CAA, they would not be as good as Grant Riller. Uh, And I mean, there's also just value in, you know, getting a guy who can do that, on his rookie deal like this those first four years of riller like he, if he's a pretty good guard scorer on a i mean it, it, even like if he's on a second round deal uh you know that's that's pretty valuable um mm. so yeah I, I i agree with you i didn't put him on my list because i'm just doing kind of like my favorite guys and rillers i wouldn't say he's one of my favorites but yeah the values is so there uh someone should take him in the first round for sure
1: yeah all right should we go on our next guy
0: yeah, do another one of yours.
1: Um, sure. I'll do one that. Um, I'll skip around a little bit. And do one that I don't think you'll have. Um, and that's Abdullah and Um, I'm almost, yeah, I'm almost certain. I'm almost certain you don't have. Um, just just someone who I like a lot. One of my one of my favorite uh, stash kind of guys. In. in the Where is he
0: on the ESPN board? Um, I
1: think he's in like the late 40s, which is like not to say that's like not his range. That's. I probably have him Yeah, he, yeah he's he's forty eight. I have him like a little higher than that on my personal board. Um like like ten ten ish spots higher. Um I, I don't think that's like terrible value or anything, but a late second for like a really valuable stash to me is is pretty good. Um uh, I mean he is like the idea of the guy you want to take a flyer on in the second round. I mean 6 foot 7 wing forward with legitimate skills. I mean, he is he's very long and has some dribbling and passing capabilities. Really impressive passer for I mean for his size. Um I mean, that's the main thing being able to dribble and pass at, at 6 foot 7. The scoring with him is the issue. Um I'm I'm not I, I don't buy the shot that much at this point. Um, I mean, he's he, he's been passable on spot ups and his free throws are okay, but the versatility hasn't really been there, but like he has some like intriguing scoring traits. Like he has a good floater. Like he goes to it quite a bit, and the touch is nice. And he is also like a pretty pretty impressive foul drawer as well. I mean, he, he I think he has like a forty something free throw rate. Um, he gets to the line quite a bit. Um, I think I think there's intri- there's, there's there's some intrigue offensively as a scorer, even if the package is not really put together. And then defensively, I mean, just a big fan of his tools. I mean, he he makes use of that. I think seven foot two wingspan pretty regularly both on and off the ball. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not like, he is a little lapse prone um, and his technique on the ball isn't perfect, but I mean, I'd like what he does, uh, you know, as an on and off ball defender, a, a versatile defender a lot, just like wings are so important. And this is a guy you can take a flyer on and not waste a roster spot on early in his career. I mean, just stash him in France, see what he does, see how he develops. If he doesn't, you don't lose that much, and if he does, you have a potential rotation player. So, just just someone I'm a big fan of, and you know, continue, hope to you know, think could be a really worthwhile flyer in the second round, or maybe even higher. I haven't watched,
0: yeah, I haven't watched him in so long. I'm not going to give a strong take. I just don't like where he's at physically given his age. Um, that he's like he's really really weak in his lower body uh especially and it's just like he's he's auto eligible this year right
1: um i think so
0: i think he's auto eligible so he's he's yeah. pretty old at this point um
1: yeah, and yeah so it's just like uh, how yeah,
0: how, how long are you going to be stashing this guy while he's not developing physically to the point that he can actually hang in the nba um I get the appeal. Uh, I think these like secondary creator types are definitely useful, um, but I, I have some skepticism. That doesn't mean that like he's not worthy of a stash, uh, but yeah, I mean he's 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 not my favorite guy.
1: Yeah, I mean just certainly a guy with with, with skills that I'm intrigued by. I mean th- that is certainly that, that is a good point about the lack of physical development. Where you know it would probably be better for his physical development if he could come over to you know an NBA team and, and work with their strength and with their physio staff. But again, the question is, is he worth, you know, a roster spot? I mean, probably worth, you know, a, a two-way, I think for sure. Um, you know, so hopefully get some physio work, um, you know, with, with an NBA team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's certainly an issue that he is 22 and his frame is definitely an issue. But yeah, I, I mean, like I said, he's yeah. a flyer.
0: I mean, would th- would think he's probably a tough guy to get on a two-way. Yeah, ah. Because I, I would I, imagine he could he could make better make money, money staying in, in Europe. Europe.
1: Yeah, I mean if he really wants to, I mean that would be an issue that teams have to work out. I mean I, I think conceivably it could work, but yeah, like you said, he's going to be able to make more money. I mean he's already a pretty good player uh, for Cholet, um, and he's probably going to be a good Euroleague player if he does if he decides if he never ends up amounting to anything in the NBA. So yeah,
0: uh, should we move on to my next guy? Yep. All right. I feel like this is the most obvious uh, inclusion in this whole exercise. Uh, ESPN has at 40 on their board, Xavier Tillman. Uh, like, what are we doing here, man? Like, what are we doing here with like Daniel Oturu as a first round prospect? Or I guess they've got him 36. But what are we doing with Daniel Oturu ranked above Xavier Tillman? Like, I, it's just, I've done the, I've done the Tillman thing to death, obviously, um, but he was one of, if not the best, player in college basketball last year, um, and he's just everything that you want out of a big man. He is a brilliant DHO operator, a brilliant, the best short roll passer in the in the class, the best screener in the class, uh, an incredible defensive player who is somewhat coverage versatile uh, as a pick and roll player, who is a brilliant team defender who. while he doesn't have the vertical leaping or, or necessarily reach um, has impeccable timing and length. uh, And I mean, you can, you can see in the NBA how having impeccable timing and length along with intelligence uh, allows you to be a dominant defensive player. Uh, I just think that it's Xavier Tolman is, it's so obvious. It's just so obvious that he is going to be good for a long time. Um, And I think that like it, one case against him for sure is that just being good at the little things as a big man uh, on offense is not necessarily worth it. Um, I think of someone like like Daniel Tice, who is a really good screener, who is a solid short roll passer, who has uh, short mid finishing ability, and he's just like I think a pretty considerable negative on offense. Despite that, and that's definitely a problem. Like we we we've talked about obviously with big men that. Their lack of self creation generally is something that goes underappreciated. So if you're a big time scorer as a big man, but that's really on you know putbacks and lobs and stuff like that, you might not be adding that much value with your scoring. Uh, and I think that's that's something to worry about with Tillman. But I think that the defensive value is just really there with him, and I think that he is good enough at the little stuff on offense that it will actually matter, especially the short roll passing that I think that he is really exceptional there in his speed of decision making and his diversity of decision making that he can actually add value there. Uh, so I, and I think that uh, I think I've mentioned this before that I think he can actually generate some role gravity on the back of his screening because it's just so good that he just creates an advantage with his screens every single time. Um, so Xavier Tillman, I, it's, he's just such a first round pick. Um it's just like he's a guy who can so clearly slot into an nba big man rotation tomorrow uh and add a lot of value and maybe be a high leverage guy like uh, a guy who can play the closing minutes because he has the intelligence and i think probably the mobility for it
1: yeah i mean like we bring up Tice, but i think even the tice like tice analog while like it's you know it's a worthwhile consideration for you know archetypally is even kind of reductive because like tillman is world's better as a passer than daniel tice i mean he's might I mean probably going to be a better finisher just an an incredible finisher in college despite you know the lack of pop and size he's so strong has the touch the the craft to finish I mean probably not gonna be like you know 70 percent around the rim um in the NBA but he's certainly going to be good there um and I, I mean like you said like I, if he lands in the right ecosystem, certainly conceivable that he could hit like he could hit a spot up or two if he's wide open. And that's that's a really valuable player. I mean, we I mean, it's been like we see Grant Williams contributing, you know, in a rotation in the playoffs in year one. And we're all like, that's going to be Xavier Tillman next year. I mean, it's it seems so obvious. It really does. And it's kind of insane that this guy almost didn't declare for the draft because, you know, teams just weren't interested. Um that's... Yeah,
0: it just it just like really drives me crazy that he just like on an individual level dominated all of these Big Ten centers that he on, on a team level just so evidently impacts winning every single possession and that he's he, he just is he's going to be in the NBA as a good player for so long uh, and yeah, like you said, like he almost didn't have good enough feedback to stay in the draft.
1: Yeah, that's insane. I mean he yeah. he's so obviously good and I, I, just 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 watching the playoffs watching you know watching how fast the game moves you know you know like guys guys who make quick decisions and like the passing savants just have an advantage um and that you know yeah guys, I mean tillman tillman is like that plus like a mountain of strength they're gonna finish gonna be great on defense I mean yes he's small and yes, the shooting is a major issue, and yes, those are two very salient points, and that could be downfalls. But I mean, it's just he's so good at everything else. I mean, it it just seems like a no brainer. He's going to be good. Yeah, and you just talk
0: about the playoffs. It's it's speed and intelligence is what the playoffs are all about. Every, like like it, everything
1: it, moves so fast.
0: Like yeah, the 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 ball comes to Xavier Tillman on a short roll, like he is going to be making the right pass or he's going to be like flowing into a DHO or he's like, he's going to do something positive immediately. Um, And it's just in the playoffs, you're talking about you finally like create some sort of advantage and you have the defense compromised. You can't take the split second that it takes to process things. And Xavier Holman doesn't have processing delay. Like he catches the ball and he's firing it to the, to the weak side corner for a wide open three. Like he's, he, is just such an obvious guy who fits into what's valuable on a basketball court. Um, and you know, opting for guys who aren't good, uh, instead of that, because they have better physical measurables, uh, is just, it it would be crazy. Um, and Xavier Tillman should 100% be a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, even watching a guy, like you know, again, to bring up Tice, who is a, is a good short-roll passer and, you know, has short-roll passing duties for Boston and makes makes plays. Like, he he has, a, like, a second or two of processing delay, and that, that matters in a lot of times. You know, there are instances where, you know, if, if tice throws the pass immediately instead of maybe taking you know planting a foot and you know locating in, internally locating his pass before he throws it then you get an open three instead of you know maybe a close-out attack and a tougher shot so i mean that, that processing speed is so crucial and like sure you can you know you can take a raw athlete and teach him how to like dribble and pass a little but y- you can't teach that level of processing um, and, and it's and it's such 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 a competitive such an advantage to have a guy who just can move the ball and make decisions so quickly like, like Tillman Wilder. Mm.
0: all right should we move on to your next one
1: yeah I think this is another one that you can make the case is the most obvious bonehead oh, I, I know who it is. yeah
0: because I have in yeah. my notes for him I have so obvious in all caps how is this a thing
1: yeah um I mean, just the most obvious what the hell are you doing exclusion and that's Desmond Bain, I'm sure as most of you could have inferred. Um, this the fact I think he's in the forties like in DX at this point, which is He's like, forty one for them. Yeah, higher than he used to be, but still just it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've we've done this to death. He is the best shooter in the class. He's better than Aaron Smith who we talked a lot about last week. He's better than Isaiah Joe, I think dang near better than Sadiq Bey. I mean, he, he has it all, like, off the of balance, off of movement, you know, different, different footworks. He's so, so good there. And then, you know, unlike a smith or a Sadiq Bey, you know, he can dribble a little bit. And, you know, more than that, he can pass. He's such an awesome, you know, pick-and-roll facilitator. He has, you know, he's not perfect. Like, that complemented with his shooting is so valuable because those, I mean, those are, like, perfectly additive skills. Where he has val- where he creates gravity with his shooting, and then is able to exploit the windows that he creates, even if he can't create, you know, huge windows. Because yes, he, you know, he's not bursty. You know, he struggles as a drive creator for himself. You know, he is gonna find passes. Like he really does have top, top, top tier relocator plus, in the class too. Tier, yeah, of course. I mean, not even talking about softball. ball plus plus vision for for his archetype. And yes, you know, a top tier off ball player, of course. And defensively, yeah, I mean, he's gonna struggle with the point of attack. Sure, he has short arms. Sure, but so so smart as a team defender. The effort, you know, the 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 time, the timing of his rotations on the backside. I mean, just the extra, the, the winning, the little winning plays. You know, very similar to Tillman in that way, where he just makes so many winning plays. But he has like the the massively valuable, obvious trait of being the best shooter in the class to add to, add to that. And so, he's he's gonna be a good player, like. From day one, he's going to contribute in like in the playoffs if he gets there in year one. I mean, he he's that good. I mean, and it's 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 mind boggling that, he, <laughs> that he's still projected as a second rounder. I mean, if he if he really falls that far, that is, it, it's it, it's so it, it's so bad.
0: He, yeah, he it's it would be rounder. really, it would be really nuts if like Sadiq Bey Bay and Nismith are going in the lottery because they're kind of tall it's and can like- shoot
1: cognitive dissonance is, is is wild between like
0: yeah I just like I don't even know what the argument against Bain is
1: supposed to be like I mean, it's that uh, like, I I've I've I don't, like he's I've like, heard the but I think I've, I've like heard like the the like dribble like which I mean he can't really but, but like, he doesn't need to but who cares yeah, exactly like, is
0: is Desmond Bain gonna be your backup point guard like no um he like he's an off guard with some ball skills. Uh, and some like ver- for that role, some very plus passing, I would say. Oh yeah. Um I mean he, he like he's he's a he's a better passer than some of these like guys who are gonna be drafted as I mean, he's a better as, passer
1: like, than I think he's a better passer than Dotson for sure. Oh like, certainly yeah, he's a better yeah, passer. Like, I, I think uh no, yeah, I mean he he's probably a better passer than Tyrell Terry. I think he is. Um yeah, I think he definitely yeah, is. I mean he... I, I think he might be better than Trey Jones too. I mean,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't like I, Trey yeah. Jones as a passer because I don't like guys that are really
1: uh, risk averse um, and don't add a lot of value. Yeah. Um, I mean, Point being, Desmond, Desmond Bain is super plus for his role and just plus, you know, in a vacuum as well, I, I, as as a player. Yeah,
0: I, I really don't get what the criticism of Desmond Bain is like, I, I, of course, if you're, if you're chasing some high end outcome or even, even if you're like chasing a guy who could be like a starting lead guard, like, I guess I see the case then for, for Malachi or someone like that over him. Um, but I just don't know what on earth you're doing. If you're taking like Jemias Ramsey over (laughs) Desmond Bain, like Ramsey is worse at everything, literally everything. um, yeah, I, I just I don't know what the argument is against Desmond Bain. He like he is an unbelievable shooter. Uh like he's like you talk about Nismith as being an unbelievable shooter. Desmond Bain as is at 43.3% on five hundred and seventy-five three-point attempts across talk his about, college you know, career.
1: Approaching a stable sample. I mean, even still. Yeah. That.
0: <laughs> like he's That's clearly true. a pretty ungodly shooter. Um and unlike, unlike Neesmith can shoot off the dribble. Um, like it, it's, it's like, I think honestly, more so than Tillman for me, the Bain thing is so obvious. Yeah. I mean, uh, and that's why I, I,
1: mean, I, when I can see a case against more than Bain.
0: Yeah. I like, I, I very strongly disagree with the case against Tillman. I think that it's overlooking stuff. That's so obvious uh, and so valuable. But with Bane, it, it's I don't yeah. even know what the case like, against we him talked is. Earlier
1: about like you know a lot of guys in this draft, I can see like I don't agree, but I understand the case against. I don't get the case against Bane as like like against like like, like if you don't want Bane like top twenty or top fifteen, like fine. I mean even even i I mean i think he he deserves to be close to that range but if 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 you don't think he's that level the prospect and you want to chase upside then fine but like if if you don't think he's a first rounder i mean i i i I just it's just confusing like there there's no reason for that
0: yeah i just yeah it's it's i don't think it's possible (laughs) to look at um stats or film of him in comparison to some of these other like combo off guard small wing types and come to the conclusion that they're better than desmond bain um just he's really good uh and he should certainly be a first round pick um so that was my next one so do you want to do another one of yours
1: As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the Welcome Back sports bonuses. Bet online, your, on- your online wagering experts. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscape.com, and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Sure. I'll do one that I also don't. I mean, you might have this guy. Um, again, we're going to skip around a little more. Um, Tyshawn Alexander. And this is mostly I included because DX has him at 81, which, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like, I do think Tyshawn is a second round guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have him like mid-30s. Um, I mean, I guess I could see the case for taking him late in the first for the right team. Uh, I, I would get it. I probably wouldn't myself. But like 81, like that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he's like a small combo guard, but he is so, so special You know, with his footwork on defense, hounding guys around screens, um, is incredible on the ball. And like, yes, ha- makes mistakes off the ball, but I think he's pretty good there. Like, like I generally view his off-ball defense as positive. Um, because like, because like, off-ball defense isn't just rotations. It also includes things like closeouts and chasing, run screens. I I value that as part of off-ball defense, and he's elite at all that, um, which is often overlooked for more flashy rotations and stuff. But even if that's probably more important and more applicable on a play-by-play basis, uh, where Tyshon thrives. And then you know, offensively, he's you know, not not really stand out on anything, but is a good shooter, has some passing chops. There's like fits the mold of like a, a a passable off guard with some development. Um and I mean he has bankable elite skills in areas where it's conceivable for him to add value and improve. So as like as a second round flyer he's like a guy who absolutely should be in that early second range but this like 81 is is absolutely nuts to me especially considering some of the guys like immediately ahead of like immediately ahead of him and he, like not even some of the guys who were like way ahead of him like like Cassius Stanley but you know guys who were like immediately ahead of him like Malik Fitz like um like like uh like like, like Jay Scrub, Khalil, Khalil Whitney still at still like 10 spots ahead of him <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, Philip Petrušev, like Kareem, Maine, Manet, it's 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 horrific. I mean, he he if, if he really like goes undrafted, like he's just gonna be one of these like what are you guys doing kind of players because he's he's gonna find a role. I mean,
0: yeah, I I kind of think he's gonna be drafted in the second, but the general idea that he is, I mean, that he's being grouped with guys who are like by no means NBA prospects, uh, is bad. I thought about including Tyshawn, but like I said, I I went with just more of my favorite guys. But I, I think he's an NBA guy. I've I've got him. I think comparably high to you. Um, yeah. I he he. I guess he's kind of like a small off guard, but he's good. He's just good. He's just good with some pretty high level skills. At some point, um, you just
1: take the good players. Like you yeah. have to do that. And-
0: yeah, especially when like like you said, like when skills are additive like his are um it's just like you know it's you're not talking about um jalen harris or someone like that who who really you know he gets his value from playing on the ball um you're talking about a guy who's like a good off-ball player like in every respect on on both ends so um yeah it doesn't make sense for him to
1: get the guy who will add value without usage i mean that's like the golden the golden ticket for role players and like he, yeah. he fits that bill. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ty- yeah. i consider one of my favorite guys, you know, regardless. Just so I'm, you know, just
0: draft. Yeah. Ty Sean should be drafted in the second. I, and I, I think he will be. I think, I
1: think, he I, will think be. I, I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I, I also I, I think he's too good to go undrafted. Like 81 is just absurd. I mean. Yeah. All right. Um, Who has the next
0: guy? Next. Yeah. So next, this one, I think, is another one that will not surprise anyone. I've got Isaiah Joe, uh, mm-hmm. who's 46 on the ESPN board. Uh, it was a glorious day when he re-entered the draft. <laughs> uh, I've, I affectionately call Isaiah Joe discount dev, uh, referencing Devin Vassell, because I think that he really kind of is discount Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like a superior shooter, but he's a really impactful off-ball defender. And he he probably takes too many risks. Not probably he takes too many risks. Uh, he is a guy who will like sag way off of a good shooter uh, to be trying to disrupt stuff in the paint, despite weighing a hundred and I don't know sixty five pounds. Uh, <laughs> so, like he he is too aggressive in that respect. But he's really good at it. Like he's really really smart. He's a really impactful off-ball defender and he's a very good on-ball defender. He has really awesome uh, footwork navigating screens. Like he moves incredibly well laterally and obviously the strength is en- an enormous issue, but uh, you're talking about a guy who like has athletic tools that are very very valuable in that he can be a versatile on and off-ball defender on top of being you know, if he's not the best shooter in the class, he's second or third. He's a really incredible shooting prospect and has like some off the dribble game that someone like smith doesn't have that he he can shoot off the dribble, but he also like he has the pocket pass out of pick and roll down. He loves that. Um like he he can self-create a lot of space on that step back. Um so he's just a like a pretty well-rounded player. Of course he, he can't get to the rim at all, but like he he is really like not just a guy who bombs threes. He has a lot of other abilities and they're very, very valuable abilities. Uh, so if you, I like if an NBA team just doesn't think that he can add enough mass to hang uh, or I think crucially to be a high percentage three point shooter, then I get it. I get not wanting to invest in him. But if you believe in your ability to get him to a good enough level physically that he's not going to be totally embarrassed on the ball and that he'll be able to sustain high percentages from three, I mean, he's a wildly valuable player. Uh, just, like, really incredibly valuable. And if you talk about value alternatives, I, re- I do think that he kind of is a value alternative to Devin Vassell.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think the discount dev thing kind of falls apart offensively. I mean... I don't think they're very. They're, they're not really similar. They're different offensively. I mean, defensively, I, I get it. Um, like an over-aggressive, underdeveloped Vassell. Um, yeah, I mean, he. I, I mean, he's he's really freaking good. I mean, I don't have that much to add. He's also on my list. Just, just kind of like, he, you know, the 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 shooting percentage stuff, like, is not a thing to really worry about. Um, at least not to a serious degree. Just with the degree of difficulty and volume of shots he he takes. I mean, he 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 really like will be fine when he's not, you know, chucking multiple and not ch- chucking not in the bad way. Chucking you know multiple thirty foot thirty foot threes a game. You know, with, off movement off the dribble. Um, he's he's gonna be a ridiculously good shooter. I think um the, the adding mass you know adding core strength to hold up at longer ranges even though i mean he already has quite a bit of range um you know, <laughs> just, just to be more consistent from, from from longer range you know with more core and lower body strength that'll come i mean i don't think isaiah joe has a frame where he can't that that that's grieves he can't add mass. his frame isn't that small i mean he's just incredibly skinny I mean, yeah,
0: he's not built like Tyrell no, Terry. Exactly. But, but I mean, on this, I'll, like, I'll defer to NBA teams on this. If they really don't think that he can get to a viable spot uh, physically, then I get it. Yeah. Um, it like, I think also it, it, like the comparison to Niesmith for me is pretty natural, uh, just because they're in a kind of similar range to me. Um, and I, I get the case for Niesmith if you want to say in a very specific context, which is what we discussed with PD, that like if Neesmith is going to be Duncan Robinson in your offense, and you can actually, you actually have the capability to do that within your scheme. um, I I see the case for Neesmith. I I would have no problem with the team opting for Neesmith over Joe, but in, in a, I don't even want to say in a vacuum, just like outside of hyper specialized and tailored roles, Joe is just, So much better at basketball. Uh, It's really kind of ridiculous, and it like to a level that I don't think can be ignored. That just the difference that Joe has as a self creator on the ball, as a as a playmaker out of pick and roll, as a defensive player. um, I think that like the defensive gap is really huge between them. Um, But yeah, I I just I think that like barring having a really exceptional understanding of what Nismith is and what you're going to do with him and a capability to actually do it. Joe is just like so obviously better. Yeah.
1: I mean, like if you put Duncan, Joe in the Duncan Robbins, I mean, how much worse is he going to be than Nismith, anyways? Like probably worse, but like, yeah, I think, I think worse. I do think it. Like, and I, I mean, obviously he can do so much more in, ter- in terms of, you know, bringing value in other ways. I mean, I mean, yeah, like I, I guess I see the case, but like, I, I'm like less less sympathetic to it. I mean, I mean, like I, yeah, I mean, I also have them in like a similar range. Certainly Joe you know, comfortably above, but no, Joe is just a better prospect in almost every way.
0: Yeah. I, 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 because of the, like you can construct a context where Neesmith is more valuable. I don't, I don't want to say that like Joe is that much better of a prospect necessarily, but he is like, definitely a much better basketball player like he and if that distinction is not entirely clear i apologize but like in a just like outside of hyper specialized and tailored roles joe is just way better
1: like joe joe can exist in like pretty much any context i think
0: you know yeah he could do a He can kind of be like it's kind of I think it's a bit weird to say with someone like Neesmith, who I think is probably regarded as very plug and play, but I think Joe is much more plug and play. Like if you just Joe can
1: do whatever. I mean,
0: yeah, if you just want like if you just want like an off guard wing type and don't have like any special accommodations in mind, then Joe is the plug and play one, not knee smith who uh-huh. like can't really move or dribble or get to the rim or shoot off the dribble
1: mm-hmm. yeah right. should we go to our next guys
0: uh yeah do your next one yeah
1: i'll do i actually i have two more you could easily have both of them i'll do I only have one more okay um i'm i'm so i'm sure you'll have at least one of them but i don't know which one yeah
0: I'll... i i yeah i i think you will definitely have the one guy that i have left.
1: All right, so i'm going to say the one i don't think you have like is is Hinton. You have Hinton? No, no.
0: I I considered Hinton very strongly oh, okay. and did not include him. Okay. He was like my he was like my my uh last guy that i okay. didn't or
1: first guy. So I then I, you'll definitely have the other guy i'm looking at. I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, i mean Nate Hinton i think is like just outside the top 60. Um way too low. I mean, i guess like i get the arguments against him Kind of like a small four, you know. And if you don't buy the shots, then it, I can see why you'd think it'll be hard for him to get onto an NBA floor. I, I I understand that, but he's just so incredibly good as a wing defender. Like talk talk about w- wanting versatile wing defenders who he he plays so much bigger than his size because of the rebounding, you know, because of the verticality he brings on defense. His timing on rotations is really impeccable. He's strong on the ball. Has so much strength to just take away drives. I think he can definitely play up and and defend bigger bigger guys than him, despite being only six foot five. I've I've got faith in him to do that. Yeah, and then offensively, if if he if he doesn't shoot, it's probably gonna be an issue. But he does like show some pretty pretty impressive creation for like for a guy of his kind of archetype, um, where he's like not totally in- incompetent on the incompetent on the ball. You know, he has that like couple dribble pull up where he's fairly effective. So maybe there could be some upside there. Uh, but yeah, just like a, a, like a, the defense and rebounding alone, like like at the wing, is so so valuable. And if you can, if you can, if you can get him to shoot, which I don't think he's like like I mean, I don't think he hit, the shooting projection is super rosy with him, but he's not like a total non shooter. Like there, there's certainly he, he shot well yeah. on spot offner dribble, but yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid shooter, and like I mean, obviously, like it takes more than that to be an effective shooter in the NBA, but I think he could definitely get there. Like like I don't think he's a total non shooting case at all. Um so yeah, I mean he's like a guy who could I who probably less likely to be a rotation player like year one, but like I think on his rookie deal he definitely could be a guy who contributes. I mean, and in the second round, if you get like a wing who like even in a second or third year is contributing in rotation on his rookie deal, that's 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 a hit. That's crazy valuable.
0: Yeah, i I've done the Nate Hinton thing on this podcast many times. I love Nate Hinton. Would definitely draft him. Would definitely draft him in the first like five or ten picks of the second round. Mm. Um, and but I at the same time very much get the case against him. Like yeah. he is kind of a six five four four. Yeah, uh,
1: offensively. I mean, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. More offensively. I'm I'm less of a fan of the off the dribble game. Like, yeah, he has, like, two dribble pull-ups, but I'm, I'm not wild about him as a creator or anything, which is why I just kind of think of him as, like, a wing forward. Uh, and he's 6'5", so that's kind of problematic. But, I mean, everything you said is true. He's, like, really a brilliant team defender with great instincts and and just a unique, like, physicality and timing and and just effort to... Uh, like I would, I would encourage people to listen to the episode that we did with John Chepkovich talking about Hinton's film room, uh, just the way that he thinks about the game, the way he thinks about rebounding, uh, really just like an interesting guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm totally with it, Nate Hinton. Great second round pick. A uh, ton of spots make sense for him, but at the same time, I, I do I do understand the case against him. Not to the point of having him as like not in draftable, uh, a draftable ranking, uh, if that's what you want to consider the ESPN top 60. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I see why one would be skeptical of Nate Hinton, even though I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I would
1: disagree, but I, I, again, like I get the case. Like,
0: yeah, I understand. Yeah, unlike, unlike Bane, all
1: right, we're the our, our last guy who you can say, I'm I'm sure we have the same one. Um,
0: Yeah, it's Killian
1: Tilly. Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, so Killian Tilly is 53 on ESPN's board. And I totally get it. Like, the injuries are significant and bad. um, And teams, I think, tend to be pretty risk-averse with this, on top of knowing better, far, far better than we do uh, when it comes to injuries. That said... In the case of of like killian tilly it would have to be to the point that you never think that he's gonna play in an nba game for him to not be worth drafting in the second round uh when you're talking about the best gambles in this class if you think that there is a 60 percent chance that even that you can get Two years of like sixty games out of Killian Tilly. So if you can get two like mildly healthy years out of him, he's probably worth a first round pick in this class. Because you know if you're if you're talking about taking, um, I don't know who who which guys you could realistically get in the late first. Uh Zeke Naji, who's someone even that I like. Um, I think that the odds of him being if you, the odds that on his rookie contract you get two years as good as 60 games of Killian Tilly would be are probably lower than 60%. Um, so it, like if Killian Tilly is disastrously injured to the point that a medical staff can, can say that they really don't think that this guy is ever going to play in the NBA, then I get it. If not, he should certainly be drafted. Um, and if the chance is even like 50, 50, that he's going to be healthy for a couple years, he should be a first-round pick. Like, he shouldn't just be drafted. He should be a first-round pick. Uh, The guy is incredible at basketball. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, go ahead. I was going to – I mean, I I think that, you know, regarding injury, unless it's, like, really a case, like you've been saying, where he's never going to play basketball or never going to be good enough to where where he's useful, which I doubt. You know, I think – For a guy who you can make a reasonable argument that Tilly should, like, you know, a fully healthy Killian Tilly is a top 10 pick. I think that's a reasonable argument you can make. You know, a guy with that, like, level of ceiling and goodness apart from injuries, like, I just think it's irresponsible to not take a flyer on him. You know, when the draft is about upside, you know, not just upside in the terms of looking for stars, but upside in the terms of finding these value plays late where, you know, the guy slips through the cracks, you know. because, like, you know, if you draft Tilly in late second and he's never healthy, you don't lose anything. But if you draft him in late second and he even plays a little bit, you have a guy who can be a starting NBA big man, you know, and add real value with his, you know, the shooting, the passing, the the, the mobility, the team defense. You know, he, he just does so much good on on both sides of the ball if he's healthy. And even like after so many injuries at Gonzaga, he's still and, you know even before Gonzaga, he's like a he's a great player. So, I mean, he he deserves a chance, and like he is the the platonic ideal of a guy you just need to take a chance on, you know, if you have any faith at all in your medical staff.
0: Yeah, it's just like you're you're talking about gambles in in the in the draft. Like everything is is a play of some sort. So. The Clippers this year traded the 27th pick for half a season and a playoff run of Marcus Morris. So if you're saying that, like, I guess by the by the Clippers' calculation, that was the 27th approximately best gamble in this class, um, or at least was, you know, worth sacrificing the 27th best gamble, I just don't believe... Like, I would rather take the bet on Killian Tilly being healthy for two seasons like if you if you can get two relatively healthy seasons out of Killian Tilly it's worth so much um so like are are there better upside plays are there better long-term plays sure and if you're a team that's currently bad and you're trying to get a guy who can be a long-term piece don't yeah don't draft Killian Tilly like it it doesn't make sense if you're trying to draft a long-term piece but if you're considering the reality that these guys are not going to be with you for that long for the most part. That they're going to turn over a lot, that they're not going to be good in the first place. You know, take this guy who is great, and as long as he's healthy, will be good. It's just, it's, it's like it's a situation where I am to an extent willing to defer to NBA teams. Like, I mean, plenty of drafts would had Jonte Porter as a lottery guy last year. Uh, and who knows if he ever plays an NBA game, he, he may well not, in which case NBA teams certainly knew better uh, and had access to better information. And if that's the case, if Killian Tilly never plays in the NBA uh, and goes undrafted, like they'll, I think they'll be vindicated to an extent. Um, but there is some chance out there that he plays NBA basketball and is relatively healthy for some span of time. Uh, and whatever that percentage is, there aren't 60 better bets. Like There just aren't.
1: Yeah, I mean, agree there. I mean, all right. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he deserves to, to. He deserves a chance, pretty much. That's yeah. Yeah, I, he's so. good. Yeah, he's so good. He's such a good player. He's so good. I, I, again, another plug in our film room episode with John. talks a little about a little bit about Tilly. He he, he is he's great. Give him a chance. <laughs> I think those are all the second rounders that we have. Um, so I think we can move on to talking catching eye stuff. Sure.
0: Yeah. I've, I have like half of one. Uh, you want to, you want to do yours first? Sure.
1: This is like a little, but I want to talk about a trend within front offices and a couple. Um, so recently, um, NBA teams have been hiring more and more, like have been started to hire some notable grassroots high school analysts. Um, the Oklahoma city thunder hired Corey Evans of 24 seven and, uh, the Timberwolves just hired, um, his name is escaping me. um, uh, Josh Gershon, uh, I think Josh Gershon, yeah, yeah, of twenty four seven, and you know what this signals to me, and I think it's important to other people, but to me as well, is that teams are preparing for you know a, a potential a potentially limited college season, and in turn putting more value into into scouting high school basketball, which I think you know that's been a real you know a, a real value you know a, a real value for for teams where. Pre-college sample is important. We talk about all the time, you know. Our whole last episode on Killian Hayes, you know, the, the, an underlying theme of that is longitudinal viewing of prospects. You know, getting these guys watching them develop, and you know, maybe teams are really starting to to key onto that. You know, with, with, with these two hires. Um so I just just wanted to quickly mention that that you know, high school basketball is important to to scout, and you know, and you know, I, I wonder how this if this continues as a trend going forward. You know, if this, you know, fosters any material change in the draft, um, you know, if, you know, maybe players who have, you know, the, the high school goodness, you know, get get more of a pass for, you know, a lackluster college sample. So I'm just interested to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, there are a few of those guys who are interesting this year. Like, I, I like I'm very confident in Tyrese Maxey, but I I do not feel that confident in Cole Anthony. Like. I think he could be a lot of different things and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Uh, I'm, cu- I'm curious to
1: see how that plays out. Yeah. I think uh, uh, it's just interesting to think about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Though so, um, one thing that I had was I watched an Isaiah Stewart game recently, uh, UCLA from early January. Uh, it's incredible the extent to which that guy cannot jump. Like he really, really cannot jump. And sometimes it doesn't matter because he's got a 7'4 wingspan, I think. He's got a huge wingspan. He's very, very long. Um, but he – oh, my God, he can't jump. Like, we've cited the 26 dunks number, which is wildly low. Uh, but I, I – like, I know that he's, by all accounts, a wonderful guy, and he tries very hard, uh, and he's very strong, and he has some touch. Uh And like, uh, like there are moments on the interior where it's not that bad, uh, but he's really immobile and he just cannot jump in the slightest. Uh, I just, it just wouldn't be surprised if he gets into like his first NBA practice with whatever team drafted him in the first round. And they just instantly realize that this guy cannot play in the NBA because he just doesn't have the mobility or leaping ability to do it. Um, It's really bad uh and it it's like kind of startling uh every time you yeah. see it
1: again yeah i mean I'm of the opinion that he's like more of a euro big which is i i mean that's not a slight i mean i think he could be a very he' yeah, be good it, yeah i mean he can make a lot of money in the euro league i think he can be a very good euro league big and that's like not a slight at all i mean that's it's high level basketball, but yeah, it's just just not the level of not the level of anything to be an NBA player. I mean, talk about processing speed. Earlier in the episode, uh, Isaiah Stewart has oh. none of, has none of that. Um, just just don't really see how he adds any value. I mean, we talk about big men being replaceable. Like, don't see how he adds adds any unique sort of value over you know a, a replacement level big man. Uh, I don't. I
0: mean, I mean, he he does try harder than I think the average replacement level big man. He. Again, by all accounts, like people love him. He's like just like a great dude. Uh, and that matters. and maybe that gets him to stick on an NBA roster for a while while he's unable to contribute on the court. That's definitely possible, but I'm really confident in him not contributing on the court. Uh, it's just like if you if you think about role, I mean, you actually you don't even have to think about role because it's just not viable defensively his lack of a vertical like pe- people talk about that with Tillman and I think it's so much worse for Stewart who doesn't have the impeccable timing who doesn't have um just that level of intelligence and on top of that like really can't move either like his his uh his perimeter sequences are ugly uh he like he's just slow he just like cannot cover ground quickly uh it's not good um yeah
1: I I, I mean not- I could pretty realistically see him finding his way onto a roster and sticking for whatever reason but yeah i mean contributing you know to actual winning value yeah
0: uh, yeah i don't i mean i don't want to dismiss it as like for whatever reason cuz these like locker room elements do matter uh it's just if he's sticking around on an nba roster i'm so confident that it's not because of on court basketball impact. it's not it's just that he's a great guy who tries really hard and people like him uh yeah. and that's fine like that's that's a fine. There are there are guys who, I wouldn't say make careers out of that, but extend careers off of that. Surely, and um, like that's
1: that's a vi. That's like a valuable, viable thing. I mean, it's it's not what we normally harp on and talk about in value, but like it it matters. Like, dude, bringing good vibes is important. Like, not being a guy who complains every time he doesn't touch the
0: ball and and like you know is just kind of a dick to teammates. Like, <laughs>
1: these things matter. Yeah. Uh doesn't mean you should spend a first round pick to like, see like poor locker room antics like playing out often. I mean just having a guy who can pay, pay attention to the playoffs, exactly. pay attention to the NBA playoffs yeah. and see and see what's happening with
0: teams that that like you know are not cohesive and don't have guys like that in their locker room, like they're kind of failing in in spectacular fashion. And and I mean they and have always in all sports, um, teams that like ostensibly have a ton of talent. That don't have the locker room for it, fail, and then teams that do have, you know, like like of course talent is the is the prerequisite that's that's uh, necessary, but like having the chemistry on top of that is important. So these guys do matter. I don't want to minimize that Isaiah Stewart can bring that because by all accounts he can, uh, but on the court, absolutely, she just yeah, doesn't have it.
1: Yeah, I think that's all we have on Isaiah Stewart. Um, that's all we have for the episode today uh thank you all for listening um you can follow the pod you know at preps of pro pod on twitter follow max at max a carlin follow me at ben underscore pfeiffer and unless anything you want to say i will end it here no i'm good all right see you all next week